As I was praying over the service today, God led me to, reminded me of a situation that I had with him over 10 years ago now. Um, I was diagnosed with something that was taking my voice away. And God presented with me an opportunity to praise him with my voice. And as I was contemplating what to do and whether or not I should get out on that stage, Casting Crown song started playing. I'm sure you all know it. It says, if all I had was one last breath, I would spend it just to sing your praise, just to say your name. And I'd like to say it was easy to get up from that place and to go before him and to sing, but it was hard. It was hard to give him a sacrifice that may cost me everything. You see, the doctors had told me if I sang again before I completed treatment, I may never sing again. And I didn't know what to do. But in that moment, I just felt God calling to me. If this is it, Noel, if this is the last chance you have to use your voice, will you still use it for me? Will you still praise me? When I got on that stage, I had never sung like that before in my life. Not in a human sense, in a spiritual sense. You know, we all come before God, and every day, the daily grind of giving to him and living for him, sometimes we get so used to giving that we give him the extras. We give him what's left, the extra of our finances, the extra of our time, the last bit of our energy, right? But in this song, it's saying, I'm going to lay before you, God, everything. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm not going to offer you a lowly praise, but the highest of praises. So as we sing this song this morning, I want to challenge you to offer all you have to God and ask him where you're holding back and where you might be willing to offer him more. Let us honor and adore 
to come before the Lord this morning and worship his holy name. A few months ago, I was reading an article on the, it was talking about all the revival passages in scripture. And as I read through each one of those passages, the one we're going to look at today really stood out to me. And so I'm going to share this passage with you this morning. But I have a couple questions for you first. I want to ask you, how are you feeling these days? Are you feeling a little oppressed, overwhelmed, depressed, hopeless? Maybe you're feeling a little fearful of what is to come, or maybe you are wondering what is happening. Because around the world and even in our own country, we are seeing many people suffering, hurting, and grieving. They feel like they're just going through the motions, barely alive. Some feel like they are just squeaking by. But that's why we've come here today. And together we are going to go before the Lord and ask him to breathe new life into us and let us live again. Our passage this morning is found in 1 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to read the whole passage 1 through 17. Now Samuel was a prophet, a judge, And a priest. 
Before we get into our lesson, I'm going to give you a little background information so you can tie this whole story together. So in the beginning of 1 Samuel, we find that Eli is the priest at Shiloh, along with his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. In chapter 2, we're told that Hophni and Phinehas were wicked. And during this time, Israel is at war with the Philistines. They lost a battle. And the leaders of Israel are saying, Lord, why did you let us get defeated? So then they're there and they're in their little group, consoling one another, strategizing and planning. And they're like, we know if we take the Ark of the Covenant into battle with us, then we will win. We will have the victory. So they go to Shiloh and they get the ark and they carry it into battle. But they weren't depending on God, were they? They were depending on the ark like a magic charm. But they lost the battle and they lost the ark. It was captured by the Philistines. And the Philistines took it and they put it in the temple of their god, Dagon. And they thought, yay, we got the victory. And then they wake up and find their god, Dagon, face down before the ark. Happened twice. Second time, his head and hands were broken off. They, the Lord then sent rats and tumors among the Philistines. And the Philistines said, we've got to get rid of this ark. And so they sent it back. These are all great stories. You should read Samuel and hear the, get the whole gist of it. But So they sent the ark back. The Israels got the ark. They praised God and then... They didn't even follow God's laws, and they lost 80 people. And so they sent the ark to Kiriath-Jerin, and that is where our story begins. But sadly, the Israelites still had not turned back to God. So let's look at our passage this morning, and let's see what happens in the rest of the story. So the men of kirith Jerem came out to get the ark of the Lord. They took it to the hillside home of Abinadad and ordained Eliezer, his son, to be in charge of it. The ark remained in kirith Jerem for a long time, 20 years in all. During that time, all Israel mourned because it seemed the Lord had abandoned them. Then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, If you are really serious about wanting to return to the Lord, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth. Determine to obey only the Lord. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites destroyed their images of Baal and Ashtoreth and worshipped only the Lord. Then Samuel told them, come to Mizpah, all you, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered there and in great ceremony drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. 
They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. So it was at Mizpah that Samuel became Israel's judge. When the Philistine rulers heard that all Israel had gathered at Mizpah, they mobilized their army and advanced. The Israelites were badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. Plead with the Lord our God to save us from the Philistines, they begged Samuel. So Samuel took a young lamb and he offered it to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel and the Lord answered. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived for battle. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven. And the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel chased them down from Mizpah to Bethkar, slaughtering them along the way. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshanan, and he named it Ebenezer, the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and didn't invade Israel again for a long time. And throughout Samuel's lifetime, the Lord's powerful hand was raised against the Philistines. The Israelite towns near Ekron and Gath and the Philist- that the Philistines had captured were restored to Israel along with the rest of the territory that the Philistines had taken. And there was also peace between Israel and the Amorites in those days. Samuel continued as Israel's judge for the rest of his life. Each year he traveled around, setting up his courses, first at Bethel, then at Gilgal, and then at Mizpah. He judged the people of Israel at each of these places. Then he would return to his home at Ramah, and he would hear cases there too. And Samuel built an altar to the Lord at Ramah. Wow, I love the stories of the Bible. They are amazing. And this story is about a revival. But what is a revival? Revival is the need to be revived. So what does it mean to be revived? According to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it means to live again. It sometimes means we need to regain consciousness, wake up. And sometimes it means we need to become active and flourish again. Stop doing things out of habit, routine, and rote, but really get into what we are doing and even worshiping the Lord. Sometimes it means that we need to be restored. Do any of these describe you? Do you relate to any one of these definitions? So how does revival happen? Let's go back to our passage. And first, we need to note in our passage that it said it had been 20 years since the ark had been returned to Israel. And all this time, the ark was sitting in Kirith-Jerim. 
because of this, the people, the Israelites, they were in a state of mourning. They felt abandoned by God. They felt all alone. Where is God? We're being oppressed by the Philistines. We're at war. We keep losing our wars. We've lost the wars. We've lost our God. What are we going to do? Have you ever been there where the Israelites are right now? Have you been in a state of mourning? Have you ever felt like everything was lost? Have you ever wondered, where is God? Does he even care? Is he even out there? Or like our passage, see, the Israelites were a nation. Do you feel like God has abandoned the nation? This is exactly the point where revival happens. It happens when we're mourning, when we're hurting, when we're broken. It happens when we feel lost. It happens when we wonder, where is God? It happens when we feel abandoned. Why? Why does it happen then? Why does it take this to make revival happen? Because we've come to the end of ourselves. It's because we begin to realize we do need God. We realize we can't do life without God. That's when revival happens. When the Israelites reached this point in our passage this morning, Samuel stepped in and he asked the Israelites a very pertinent question. He said to them, are you really serious? Are you really serious? Do you really want to wholeheartedly return to the Lord? This is the key to revival. We need to be serious. We need to want God in our lives. We need to want God with our whole hearts. When we get serious with God and we get to the end of ourselves... Revival happens because we get to the point of desiring that relationship with God again. And that's where we find the Israelites right now. And that's what it took for them to come back to God. What will it take for you? We need to desire and long for a close relationship with Jesus Christ again. And when we get there, we need to know that revival requires action. That's what we see in our passage. We see in action. Samuel asks them if they really want to return, and then they had to choose. They had to decide. They had to respond. And when they did, Samuel said, They had to get rid of their foreign gods. Their idols had to go. Self-reliance had to go. The things they trusted more than God 
had to go. Samuel calls them to repent. Confess your rebellion. Confess your sins. Confess your idols. Samuel tells them, turn back to God with your whole heart. And then he tells them, be determined. Make a choice. Make a decision to obey God and only God. And after the action came hope. Revival comes with a promise. If they did all that Samuel told them to do, repent, turn back to God, and to be determined to obey God and God alone, then God will rescue them. Samuel didn't say, if you do all this, God might rescue you. He didn't say, if you do all this, God's going to think about rescuing you. He said, he will rescue you. And we see that in our passage. Do you know that God wants to? He longs to rescue us, to rescue you and me. But do you know that our rebellion and these things that keep us from God wholeheartedly prevent him from rescuing us? Where are you? Are you at a place where you are longing for God again? Have you realized that maybe you've shut him out of your life a little bit? Maybe you're too busy, too occupied with other things. Do you realize that you need God in every aspect of your life? If so, then it's time to examine your heart and your life and ask God, is there anything hindering my walk with you? Anything, any foreign gods, any sin, any rebellion, any idols, self, maybe work, maybe money, maybe finances, bills, you fill in the blank. Is there anything in your life that God is telling you to get rid of? We are living in troubling times, which makes it even more important to take the time to examine our spiritual lives. Ask yourself, are there any obstacles keeping me from God? Is there anything more important to me than God? And ask God to show you what's hindering your relationship with him, what's getting in the way. He'll reveal it to you. And then determine in your heart to obey God and God alone. Turn back to God and realize how much you need him now and how much you are dependent on on him. You see, revival isn't for sinners. The Israelites knew God. They just turned away from him. Revival is for Christians. You and I 
We need to turn back to God. You and I need to humble ourselves before God. You and I need to turn from our wicked ways and repent. You and I need to get rid of our idols and the things we depend on more than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You and I need to come alive again in Christ. Then as Samuel told the Israelites, God will rescue you. God will rescue us. Do you realize that sin and rebellion bring death? But God, God is life. God breathes life. He is life. Revival is to come alive, wake up, live again. Are you ready? Do you want to? Do you long to live again? To be excited about Jesus? To just jump for joy when you wake up in the morning? Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm awake. I'm alive. And I get to praise you for another day. Do you want that again? I know we all had it when we first found Jesus. When Jesus first came into our hearts, that's how we felt. Do you want it again? If so, I'm going to ask you what Samuel asked the Israelites. Are you really serious about wanting to return to the Lord with your whole heart? If you answered yes, then repent And turn away from those things that are taking God's place in your life. Turn back to God with your whole heart. We're going to listen to another song. And as we listen, I would like you to just be in prayer. Reflect on the words of the song. Reflect on what God is speaking to you. And if you need to pray, go ahead and pray. If you want to pray at the altar, it is open for you. Just come and pray, and after the song, I will close in prayer and bless you. Contain 
holy and almighty God. So many times we have come to you with your promise from 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Lord, we've asked you, we've begged you over and over again to heal our land. But Lord, we fail to turn from our wicked ways. We fail to see that you are talking to your children. Father, forgive us. We long to see a mighty revival sweep across this nation and even across the world. We long to see hearts change and to turn back to you, Lord. So, Father, today we come before you and we ask you to show us anything in our lives that you want us to get rid of. Reveal them to us so that we can repent and turn from our wicked ways and turn wholeheartedly back to you. Father, then we will sit and watch your hand at work. And we will give you praise as we watch you rescue us, just like you did the Israelites here. Rescue us from our enemies, because you have promised to do it. In Jesus' most holy and glorious name, we ask this and pray. Amen. Now let me bless you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go in the name of our Lord. Amen.